Hello and welcome into what is the free agency primer edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. Free agency is now, what, 36 hours away from happening? So we are right up against what is going to be what Zach Lowe brilliantly calls the silly season of the NBA. This podcast is going to outline basically my thoughts on free agency going into it. Um, I want to preface this by saying I don't know anything. Um, I have talked a little bit with Nuggets front office members and things like that, but I have not gotten any concrete information of any kind. So most of this is just the way that I perceive the Nuggets situation and kind of where I think they're going to go from this from my own point of view, which is admittedly probably not anywhere near where it should be. I am not as smart as the Nuggets, who so do not take this as law or anything like that. Um, but this is the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast powered by Mile High Sports. We're going to get into all kinds of things to talk about. Paul Millsap and his contract situation, the Nuggets potential rookie extensions that are coming up, Trey Lyles' contract situation, what the Nuggets may need in free agency if they go after the, after free agents, um, some big name free agents, and then there's 10 free agents that I like that the Nuggets could potentially get for the mid-level exception or less. Um, so we're going to get into all kinds of crazy stuff in this podcast. It's going to be a fun one, but before we do that, let me pay some bills by first giving some love to the Regulators Production Group. Without the Regulators Production Group, this podcast would sound unbelievably ordinary, and my voice is not cool enough to make up for that. So the fact that I got the beats on the intro and outro of this podcast from the Regulators Production Group is an awesome thing for the show. It's an awesome thing for the listeners. If you need any audio production needs, reach out to Regulators Regime on Instagram. They are great at what they do. If you want an individual to reach out to Rod Simba on Instagram, that's R-O-D-S-Y-M-B-A, reach out to those guys. They're great at what they do, and they will absolutely give you the best of themselves. I have never seen them do anything less than epic work. Additionally, this is a podcast that is presented by Terrapin Care Station. For all of your cannabis needs in the Denver metro area, Terrapin Care Station is the place to go for all of them. So before we go any further, here's a quick word from the Denver Nuggets Daily Benefactor. Before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, let me give you one quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flower and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com. podcast that I'm doing, um, I want to talk first about the Nuggets' own internal decisions as opposed to diving into all of these free agents they could potentially go after out of the free agent pool. Uh, So there's going to be a lot more going on. I want to talk about Paul Millsap's contract situation, the possible rookie extensions for Jamal Murray, Malik Beasley, and Wancho Hernan Gomez, as well as Trey Lyles' individual contract situation, and then talking about Denver's needs before going into these free agents. Another reminder to these 
these are going to be a different kind of free agency period. No longer are we up at midnight trying to wait for the next three hours to see what's happening. On June 30th, you at, I believe it's 6 p.m. Western time, free agency will officially be allowed to begin. The deals will not be fully finished until the NBA calendar season rolls over on July 1st. So just remember that this is going to start about 12 or, you know, what is it, six hours earlier than it normally would so that we're not all up at midnight trying to see what's going on. So with that being said, Paul Millsap's contract is the first one that we're going to talk about because the Nuggets have until the end of the day on June 29th to decide if they are going to pick up his $30 million team option or decline it. Um, If they don't pick up Paul Millsap's contract, it likely means two things. One, Denver is going to do whatever they can to bring Paul Millsap back on a longer-term deal for shorter money. Every single sign that I have heard, whether it's off the record from, from the Nuggets front office members or just someone in the organization or whatever they have said publicly to the media, it all aligns with the fact that the Nuggets are very interested and it seems like Paul Millsap is also very interested in trying to create a union in which the Nuggets and Paul Millsap can stay together for a longer period of time. So if they don't pick up the option, it's probably because Denver is extending Paul Millsap's contract for a longer period of time for less money. The second thing it could mean is that Denver is chasing a free agent. $30 million coming off the cap, along with all of the cap holds Denver has, which I'll get into a little bit later in this podcast, will open up about $17 million in cap space. That means Denver can really start to make things a little bit more interesting for who they want to chase if they do that. Um, so that is what that would mean to me if if the Nuggets decline Paul Millsap's option. If they accept Paul Millsap's option, that means to me that Denver will not be a big player in free agency. That's not that does not mean that Denver won't sign someone to their mid-level exception. It doesn't mean that they won't sign someone to their biannual exception or get a veteran minimum guy or make a trade. It means they will not be desperately going after high-tier free agents like a Tobias Harris, like an Al Horford, like a Chris Middleton. It just would be so incredibly difficult to build a financial situation in which Denver can clear that much cap space to be able to go get one of those guys. It's not impossible, it's not out of the question, but it would be very surprising. So if the Nuggets do pick up Paul Millsap's option, the, the likelihood is that they're only going to sign guys using their exceptions and then using just like veteran minimums and things like that or making trades. If they don't pick up the option and they decline it, then things are going to get much, much more interesting for the Denver Nuggets. If if I was to make a guess, I would say that the Nuggets decline Paul Millsap's contract, sign him to a shorter-term deal over a longer period of time, but the timing of it is extremely crucial here, because if Denver uses their cap space that they open up to sign Paul Millsap, that will take away some of their money, so it's going to be interesting in how they go about building Paul Millsap's contract if they go that route. Um, and, but in all likelihood, Denver is not going to get any crazy max contract guys. They decline his option, and they extend him for three years, $30 million is a random shot in the dark type of a number. So we'll just have to kind of wait and see, but I would be surprised if Paul Millsap was not in Denver uh, next year. The only way I see that as a possibility is if they find a direct replacement in free agency that they feel is better for their team. And even then, I would be surprised if that was the case. 
The next piece of information that I wanted to kind of dive into is the Nuggets' opportunity to extend their own rookies. So there are three rookies who are up for extensions this season if they want to take that route. Jamal Murray, Malik Beasley, and Wancho Hernan Gomez. The Nuggets do not have to extend any of these players if they don't want to. All that would happen if they don't do that is they would all go into restricted free agency next year. That does not mean the Nuggets will not have negative repercussions for doing that. A reason that Gordon Hayward originally left Utah to go to the Celtics was because they messed around with him when he had, when he was extension eligible as a rookie. He did not feel like he was taken care of. He felt like they let things go a little bit too long. He did not feel valuable to Utah, so it led to him finding a different place where he felt valued. Obviously, things in Boston have turned out differently, but the point is is that these discussions can change a player's perception of the organization that they are playing for. So taking care of the players that you see as an integral part of your organization going forward becomes an important situation. So yes, the Nuggets could just let all these guys go to restricted free agency, but it could hurt their standing with the players. Also, it would allow other teams to put gigantic offer sheets together for these players to try and make it difficult for Denver to keep them. Imagine a team just throwing a max contract at Jamal Murray as a restricted free agent. Denver would then have to match that or let him go, which would be extremely difficult to swallow. So for Jamal Murray, I do think he's the most likely to get extended during this offseason. Um, once July 1 comes or you know June 30th at 6 p.m. or whatever it is, the Nuggets are allowed to enter um, and actually sign Jamal Murray to a contract extension in the same way that they did with Gary Harris. They got Gary Harris probably cheaper than he would have been on the restricted free agency market because they got the deal done with him early. So I do expect the Nuggets to extend Jamal Murray this offseason. The timing of it will be interesting because this won't actually kick in till next year, so the cap ramifications will not actually come into play this season. But I would not be surprised if at some point in the near future, Jamal Murray gets his extension. Um... I don't know what that number would be. I don't think anybody does yet. I have not heard from the team themselves about what their thoughts are or where they currently stand. Um, what I would think it would be would be about a four-year, $100 million contract. That's $25 million a year, which puts him below Nikola Jokic's near-max contract, but above Gary Harris's contract, which is the four-year, $84 million deal. So that's kind of how I see it. It fits the hierarchy very, very well for the Nuggets because Nikola Jokic is clearly the best player on the team. Jamal Murray comes next, the second most important, but Gary Harris is still obviously extremely important. So to put Jamal Murray financially in between the two of them, it keeps the hierarchy strong for Denver. And that's a very important part of this. So if I was to make an educated guess, I would imagine that the Nuggets get a four-year, $100 million deal done with Jamal Murray or somewhere in the in that ballpark in terms of financials for the contract. So we'll just have to wait and see. About $25 million a year is what I'm expecting, but we'll just have to wait and see. The next player that I think is most is likely to get an extension is Malik Beasley. This is much tougher to project because right now the Nuggets would like to keep their cap flexibility for 2020 a little bit available, but Malik Beasley took too big of a leap last season for them to feel like they can just let him get to restricted free agency. So what I imagine Denver will do and this is something they've done as an organization for years now, is try and get an extension done with Beasley early to get him cheaper than he would be in restricted free agency. This is basically just getting ahead of the curve because the Nuggets know how valuable Malik Beasley can be in the long run. So in order to do that, 
the Nuggets would have to get an extension done this offseason and not allow him to get to restricted free agency. Um, also, you can extend guys as the season goes along. I believe the extension date ends on October 30th. It's somewhere right around there. But it's tough to project what Malik Beasley is worth to the Nuggets. If it was me, I would start the conversations at three years, $27 million. That's a little bit above the mid-level exception, about $9 million a year, when I believe the mid-level is about $8.5 million. But again, that's a shot in the dark. What I do know is that Denver does want to keep Malik Beasley around. They do value what he brings to the table. They value him as a player, and they appreciate the work ethic that he has put forward in recent times after struggling a little bit when he first came into the league. So if they can get a deal done between nine and $12 million a year on a three-year deal, they should do that. Because even then, even if they sign Malik Beasley to that deal, I believe that him as a player, as a trade asset would be more valuable than the contract that he is signed to. So I do think that that's about what I would expect from Malik Beasley. But again, these are shots in the dark. Malik Beasley is a very difficult player to project in the free agency market and as an extension type player. But I would not be surprised if Malik Beasley got to restricted free agency if a team threw a much bigger contract offer sheet at him than the Nuggets would be willing to pay. Because he is a six foot six, sweet shooting wing player with freakish athleticism, real tools to become a good defender in time, and the ability to get downhill and dunk on guys and add a lot to, a lot to the plate. So he's a very useful player. He's a very versatile player with a lot of upside. So I would not be surprised if the Nuggets mess around too much if a team throws a big cap sheet at him. The last player who was extension eligible is Juancho Hernan Gomez. And again, I do not have insider information on this, but I would assume that the Nuggets do not extend him this offseason. I would assume they allow him to get to restricted free agency and they'll see what happens. If teams don't buy all the way in because of his injury issues that he has had and his bad luck with health, um, then great, Denver can keep him for cheap. But if someone throws a big offer sheet at him, they wouldn't feel terrible about letting him walk for a lot of money. I do think Wancho can still be an important part of this team going forward. I do think Wancho has a lot of very valuable skills that the Nuggets as an organization do not currently have on the roster and a player of his archetype. But I don't think that he is high on the priority list right now to get extended. Uh, another player who is a year ahead of the extension uh, talks is Trey Lyles. So throughout last year, Trey Lyles could have been extended and the Nuggets did not do so. So if the Nuggets want to, they could extend Trey Lyles a qualifying offer before the end of June 29th, which would make him a restricted free agent. I just doubt that happens. Uh, Trey Lyles has a $10 million cap hold right now, and the Nuggets could, you know, frankly use that money. So Renouncing his cap hold and letting him go find a better opportunity for himself elsewhere just may be the best situation for both parties. He completely fell out of the Nuggets rotation this past season, uh, was not a helpful player in the second half of the year, did not really get any playoff minutes at all, and I just don't really see a role for what he brings to the table at this point in time. And when I start getting into other free agents that the Nuggets could pursue, there's a lot of names out there that just help the Nuggets more than Trey Lyles does. So I would be surprised if he gets a qualifying offer I'm expecting that he does not and that he becomes an unrestricted free agent allowed to sign wherever he wherever he wants so now that we've outlined what the Nuggets already have to deal with internally let's move to what they could add externally I have four things that I think the Nuggets could add to this roster that I think would help them in their playoff push and as just a team overall once you get into the regular season again so I think number one I think the Nuggets need more power forward depth 
And I know this is going to sound weird because everyone's already yelling Michael Porter Jr., Jared Vanderbilt, Bull Bull. I just don't know what any of them are going to bring to the table off the bat. Michael Porter Jr. hasn't played basketball in two years. Bull Bull hasn't played basketball in, you know, 10 months. We have not seen what Jared Vanderbilt can do with a long-standing amount of minutes. All of that, in terms of power forward depth, it's extremely volatile. And if the Nuggets want a... If the Nuggets want a consistency from their front court, they're probably going to need to go out and find themselves a different power forward that has some veteran experience, that can space the floor a little bit, that's a tough guy, to be able just to kind of round out the roster. That is the most important thing in my mind for the Nuggets to get because last year, the front court off the bench was virtually non-existent. Mason Plumlee was good during the regular season, but in the, in the playoffs, they had nothing in terms of you know, front court depth. So I do think getting a backup power forward who can help this team right away is one of the most important things the Nuggets can do during this free agency period. The next thing would be finding a third point guard. Monte Morris, and he said this perfectly, uh, I believe it was during his exit interview, where he said, I essentially played three college seasons this year, and he had not done that before. He played one G League season the year prior. So Monte Morris was not ready for that kind of a stage through that many games. To go out there and play 96 games in a single season is absurd. So the Nuggets could have really used a third point guard on the roster that could have kept things moving whenever Monte was struggling. Again, this is not going to be a type of player that's going to get up, you know, 22 minutes a game. This is someone that it, it's a break in case of emergency type of a player that can give them a steadiness when they need it. Because we, it can't be expected of Monte Morris to always pick up the slack off the bench as a guard. You know, we'll see what Malik Beasley brings. He was very good last year, very good, but the consistency has always been an issue for him. So I think getting a third point guard would be extremely helpful in the same way that I think getting a third center would be extremely helpful. Again, Mason Plumlee was an unmitigated disaster in the playoffs. Having another center on the roster who could have come in with experience and just filled the gaps and played smart basketball and screen and rolled and moved the ball and protected the rim, that would have been so helpful for Denver because it was literally a Nikola Jokic or bust for them in the playoffs at that point. And the last thing, and this goes for every team in the league, every single team in the league for the most part, would love to have more wing depth on their roster. So those are the four things that I think the Nuggets are going to look into besides just, you know, if they get crazy and they decide they're suddenly going to go out there and get a big-time free agent. I think they need more power forward depth, more point guard depth, more center depth, as well as more wing depth. We'll see if they do it. We'll see how much they get in. But I do have a list of free agents as who I think would be a good player to be able to bring in and help out, whether it's um, these big names. I have two big names, and then I believe I have 10 smaller names that could potentially fit in the uh, under the mid-level exception. So let's just dive into all those names real quick. I know everybody wants to start with the big names first, so let's just start with the big names first. Why not? Uh, I have two names that I think could really help the Nuggets, one of which has already been connected to them, and I've already written an article about on Mile High Sports, which is Tobias Harris. Uh, Tobias Harris is now being connected to Denver by Sham Sharani of The Athletic, as well as Rick Bucher of Bleacher Report. Um... When analyzing what Tobias Harris brings to this Nuggets team, it's very interesting. And if the Nuggets went this route and tried to acquire Tobias Harris in free agency, it 
it would be doubling down on the Nuggets' strengths while allowing their weaknesses to continue to fester. The Nuggets, while much, much, much more improved defensively last year, you still can't go into the season being like Denver's going to be a top 10 defense. They're going to need other things to happen, whether it's uh, players growing as defenders, whether it's bringing in more veteran free agents who are good defenders. It's just hard to project the Nuggets as a legitimate top 10 defense looking down the line. Top 15, I'm there, but projecting them assuredly as top 10, I'm not there. Tobias Harris would not help in that way. If anything, he might actually make it a little bit worse. He is not a good defender despite how big and strong he is, but what he would do is make the Nuggets offense virtually unguardable. Not that it already isn't there. I mean, they're pretty much unguardable as it is, but could you imagine having an automatic 42% three-point shooter off the catch, somewhere around there, someone who can step into any shot that they want from the perimeter off the catch and knock it down nearly half the time, alongside Nikola Jokic, a guy who can dribble a little bit, handle the ball, a good offensive rebounder, a guy who can finish at the rim. He is just such a multifaceted offensive player that adding him is just absurd. I mean, think about having Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Tobias Harris, and Nikola Jokic all on the same floor. How are you supposed to handle that? I I don't know what the answer is. I I think it would be incredibly difficult but Tobias Harris is an incredibly interesting guy. The one thing that worries me is that Tobias Harris, reportedly according to Rick Buecher of Bleacher Report, he would be leaving Philadelphia because they did not offer him a full max contract. That means the Nuggets would have to potentially offer him a four-year max contract, which is about $180 million if I remember correctly. That's a lot of money. For a guy named for a guy of Tobias Harris's ilk, can the Nuggets get a better player down the line for that kind of money? Can they, you know, get eighty percent of his production out of multiple players for that kind of money? That's up for Tim Connolly to decide. But that's a lot of money for Tobias Harris in a lot of years. Actually, I think it's four years, one hundred and fifty million. But still, um, I'm, all these numbers are becoming very jumbled in my head throughout this free agency process. But it would make Denver's offense unbeatable they would be assuredly a top three offense going into next season but it would not help their defense so Tobias Harris while an extremely interesting option it's not something that I I could say assuredly would put them in a different echelon I don't think that would make them legitimate championship contenders I don't think that, that would necessarily put them above the Lakers or teams like that or even Utah probably put Denver on the same level as Utah if they got Tobias Harris but the other name that I have on this list is a name that has not been connected to Denver because Denver has only been connected to, to Tobias Harris. The other name that I want to talk about is Chris Middleton. This is a guy that, in my opinion, would make the Nuggets the projected number one seed and the Western Conference um, finalist team in the NBA is Chris Middleton because Chris Middleton, first of all, is a lights-out shooter. He can shoot from anywhere within half court, it feels like, whether that's getting downhill at the rim, whether that's in the mid-range, whether that's deep, deep, deep threes, whatever it is. He is a awesome awesome scorer. He also is a very underrated passer. He knows how to rebound the ball. He's smart as hell. Can defend four positions. Is six foot eight with a seven foot two wingspan. He knows how to play within a team construct. He's played with very unique point forwards, point centers, and 
after playing with Giannis Antetokounmpo. He has been in the playoffs multiple times. He has produced on big stages. He's not too old, but man, Chris Middleton fits this team perfectly in my opinion. So if there is a guy that the Nuggets can somehow sway by offering them a near max or max contract, Chris Middleton is the one that I would be going after because he just fits this team perfectly and in my opinion would make them instant contenders for the NBA championship. But to get these two names, Tobias Harris, Chris Middleton, there is a ton of maneuvering that the Nuggets would have to do. They would have to decline Paul Millsap. They would have to renounce every cap hold, which is Tyler Lydon, Trey Lyles, Isaiah Thomas. And then on top of that, they would have to trade at least two of Mason Plumlee, Will Barton, Wancho Hernan Gomez, Malik Beasley, or Torrey Craig. It is the only way that they can create enough cap space to sign either of them. And once they do, depending on how the, the deal is built... It, they wouldn't. They probably wouldn't have any money to get Paul Millsap back right after that. They would also lose their mid-level exception because they had signed someone into cap space. So they would only have their biannual exception left to fill out the rest of their roster or veteran minimums. So the the maneuvering to sign these players would be difficult, and it wouldn't. And there'd be a lot of upheaval, to be completely honest. So while yes, everyone wants to sign a big max free agent kind of guy, I don't know if it makes the most sense to upheave this amount of. Um, continuity that is already built within this Nuggets organization just to get a guy like Tobias Harris. I do think Chris Middleton could be worth it. That would be the name of the max guys that Denver could potentially get that I like the most. But the Nuggets haven't been connected to him. And by all account, you know, what seems like Chris Middleton is going back to Milwaukee. That is just what it feels like. So we'll just have to wait and see. But that's not it for free agency. Where things really get a lot more fun, in my opinion, beyond just max guys, are the mid-level exception type players or guys who can sign for around that $10 million a year or less, depending on if they want to come to Denver to be able to try and compete for a championship and join this arms race in the Western Conference Finals. So I picked 10 different players. I have three front court players. I have four wing players. And I have three different backcourt players that I think could help the Nuggets next year on that mid-level exception type of a deal depending on what it comes out to be again very fluid we'll see how much cap space the nuggets end up with so we'll see what they can do but these are the players that i really like in that sense I originally stated that the most important things, in my opinion, are the power forward depth in this Nuggets team and then the center depth. So let's just start with the front court players that could potentially be get, be um, acquired for around the mid-level exception price. Again, very fluid here. Um, this is not in order, but these are three players that I really think could fit the Nuggets roster well. Taj Gibson, Thaddeus Young, and Kevon Looney. Let's start with Taj Gibson because Taj Gibson was the one in 2017-18 that stripped Nikola Jokic at the very end of game 82 that in overtime that did that kept the Nuggets out of the playoffs. Taj Gibson is a guy who first of all is a very very high IQ player. He has tons and tons of toughness. He can defend multiple positions and he rebounds still very well for his age. He's not the same score he was, I wouldn't expect him to stretch the floor, but in terms of a power forward who can defend, who can play in a team construct, that's a very, very helpful player. I really like Taj Gibson on this Nuggets team, and I also think that the Nuggets would be able to get him for pretty damn cheap. Um, if you're Taj Gibson, why wouldn't you want an opportunity to go play for a team like the Nuggets to have potentially an opportunity to make a Western Conference Finals, to maybe even make the Finals? Also, I do think Taj Gibson would be the ideal Michael Malone player. A lot of these players on this list will be in that in that kind of archetype, but Taj Gibson and Michael Malone would be would hit it off famously and he would be the 
very he'd, he'd be a very important um I guess he would basically be Malone's words on the floor with the bench unit if they were able to get a Taj Gibson type. I really like Taj Gibson. Um, the other name that has been floated around that I think is unlikely but I do think would fit is Kevon Looney. Um, if the Warriors decide that they don't want to pay $340 million for their team next year, Kevon Looney is the easiest player to let go of. Um, Golden State has said they want to bring him back, but again, if it gets to that point, we'll see. Uh, he would bolster Denver's front court, and he is a very versatile defender. He can switch on the perimeter. He can block shots to the rim. He's a good rebounder. He has a budding offensive game that isn't quite where it wants to be, uh, but it's getting better. And when you think back to the playoffs, when the Nuggets didn't have... Nikola Jokic on the floor, it was just Mason Plumlee getting destroyed. So having a guy like Kevon Looney, who has been through all of these playoff runs with Golden State, a guy who can play power forward or uh, alongside Nikola Jokic or center on his own, that's a very helpful player. Don't forget, Kevon Looney, yes, he played center, but he's played with a playmaking big in Draymond Green. He knows how to fit on the floor with a ball-dominant big who is going to be the, the main point of facilitation. So I think that Kevon Looney fits in a lot of ways, but I don't think that the Warriors are just going to let him walk. I do think that they're going to do what they can to be able to keep him around despite the fact that it's going to cost him an absurd amount of money. That brings us to my favorite front court player that I think the Nuggets should go after, which is Thaddeus Young. He may cost more, probably will cost more than the mid-level exception, but as a guy who was a four-year, $50 million contract guy up until this, his contract just ended after the season, I can't think of a better front court player to put onto this team. So let's just say anything goes wrong with Paul Millsap. Thaddeus Young could step into that starting lineup, provide similar defensive effort and production, and in a team setting and in, and in an individual setting, but while also adding a little bit more offense, he's still a good playmaker, very strong, a little bit uh, younger. Thaddeus Young checks all the boxes for me for the type of frontcourt player you want to play with or without Nikola Jokic. Very smart passer. He is a tough rebounder. He can defend four or five positions depending on who you're on, depending on what team you're talking about. Um, he's a guy who can shoot a little bit. He can facilitate a little bit. Uh, very under the radar signing. We'll see how much money he makes. That's the hard thing. I don't know what kind of offer sheet he's going to get, but I would be surprised if Indiana brought him back. They just draft uh, drafted Goga uh, Goga in the draft. They also have Miles Turner and Demontis Demontis Sabonis on the team. So they're kind of just running out of room to fit their big. So if the Nuggets wanted to add one, I think Thaddeus Young is the perfect guy. He averaged like three assists throughout the year, six rebounds, only about 12 points, but he's not trying to score. Shot 33% from three. Like he just does so many things that could help the Nuggets. So that's my front court players. Taj Gibson, Kevon Looney, and then my favorite of the three, which is Thaddeus Young, that could be gotten for around the mid-level or more. I do think Thaddeus Young will be the most expensive of those three, though. Moving into wing depth now, I do think Trevor Ariza, Stanley Johnson, Rodney Hood, and Damari Carroll all make sense for this Nuggets team in different ways. What's nice about these wing players is that some can play some front court, some are more guard-oriented. The Nuggets can really kind of build their roster how they see fit with more wings, and every team in the league wants more wings. So 
I'm just going to go down this list. They're not in any order. Um, there's just everybody has weaknesses and faults, so we'll kind of just see how we go. Uh, Trevor Ariza is a very interesting one. He will be looking to contend. He will be looking for a contract out there somewhere, and he fits what the Nuggets could use. He can play the three or the four. He hits threes well enough. I believe he hit 36% of his threes last year. He's been to the playoffs plenty of times. He's a good enough rebounder, good enough defender. I don't think there's anything special about Trevor Ariza, but as a veteran who has been through everything, can shoot the ball, can play can play both forward positions, and, and can still defend pretty well, it's not a bad thing to have on your team. Um, same thing can be said for Damari Carroll. Again, a guy who is a veteran wing, playoff-tested, defends multiple multiple positions, a career 36% three-point shooter, a very helpful player, and a guy, again, that you could probably get for pretty cheap on a one- or two-year deal. Um, the other two names that I have on this list, though, are very different. Um, they're both younger, and they'd be almost high-upside, low-risk guys, depending on how the contract would eventually be signed. Um, the first one I want to talk about is Stanley Johnson, who has floated around the league, has not stuck anywhere, is still only 23 years old, and has been a legitimate disaster offensively. Um, I believe he's like a 37% shooter from the field in it, throughout his career. Very, very, very bad. Uh, Stan Van Gundy hated him in Detroit, but Stan Van Gundy hates a lot of people, so it's hard to say. So... Stanley Johnson is a 6'7", defensive-minded wing who is just under 250 pounds of muscle. It's hard to be upset having a player like that on a Nuggets team that is already so offensively gifted. So I do think that his faults and his weaknesses would not be as as glaring in Denver as they have been in his other stops throughout the, throughout the league. So... He can play the three or the four. He's strong enough to bang with power forwards. He's quick enough to play in the perimeter can really defend. I think that Michael Malone would get through to him very well. I think he's the kind of coach that could really get the most out of a Stanley Johnson type. Think of Stanley Johnson like Torrey Craig. They're very similar players. Uh, Stanley Johnson has a better frame and is a little bit more athletic. Actually, you know what? I wouldn't even say that. They're very similar players. It would just be another defensive minded wing to add to the roster. The last guy, and probably my favorite of the wings that I have on this list, is Rodney Hood. Six foot eight, multifaceted offensive player, can shoot, can dribble, can pass, can finish at the rim, can hit mid range shots, has a, a seven plus foot wingspan. Um, absolutely killed Denver in the playoffs. Don't forget, he averaged 14.7 points against Denver in the second round on 58% shooting from the field and 50% from three. Of course, he wasn't that good all the way throughout his uh, season with, with Portland, but. Rodney Hood was a guy who was looked at very well up until he ended up in Cleveland where everything went wrong. That, that was the Isaiah Thomas, LeBron James, everybody hates each other, J.R. Smith's throwing soup at people, and it really hurt Rodney Hood as a person, as, as a player, that entire situation it seemed like. Last year in Portland, it seemed to help him kind of come out of that shell and get back to who he was. So I wonder if the Nuggets could buy low and get a high reward out of it for getting a guy like Rodney Hood. Imagine him coming off the bench with Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, Michael Porter Jr., and Mason Plumley. That is a freakish offensive um, and just honestly well-rounded second unit. A guy that you can plug in with the starters if you need to. He could start at the three if someone gets hurt. Whatever it is, he fills a lot of gaps for Denver. Um, not the greatest defender, but has some length. Can at least be somewhat serviceable, but uh, overall a negative defender. But still, Rodney Hood, a very, very interesting guy that could potentially be gotten for the mid-level exception. Um, last three players. 
is the backcourt depth of this Nuggets team. Um, I want to talk about Seth Curry. I want to talk about Danny Green. And a name that you probably haven't heard before, uh, Facundo Campazzo. Um, I'll talk about Facundo last just because I want to explain him a little bit better. And I think that he's actually a very interesting fit with this Nuggets team. But let's just start with Seth Curry, who shot 45% from three-point range last year with the Portland Trailblazers. The Nuggets, as I said earlier... Monte Morris was not very good in the playoffs because he kind of just hit a wall. He had never played that many minutes, that many games in a single season before. So to have a third point guard who can also play off ball or play on the ball, fill in as an emergency third point guard, or just come off the bench and light it up real quick, Seth Curry can do all of that. He's not a great playmaker. He's not a great defender. He's not very big. But when you're trying to find somebody who can just light it up from range and can be a serviceable third point guard on the team when everything else falls apart... He's not the worst player in the world. That's my argument. Danny Green is my is the next player. And this is um Danny Green does not fit exactly the mold of what the Nuggets need. I mean, the Nuggets have Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Malik Beasley, and Monte Morris on the roster, and Danny Green is gonna want some minutes because he's Danny Green. He's won what? two championships, including this last year as a starter with the Toronto Raptors. So Danny Green is kind of a, um, it's a fantasy world one that I think would be very good for Denver. Um, The only way, in my opinion, that this happens is if Kawhi leaves Toronto and he does not feel like Toronto can can continue contending and no other contender calls him. I find that very unlikely, but let's just live in that fantasy world. Uh, First of all, Danny Green will not start in Denver because Jamal Murray and Gary Harris are here. Sorry. Again, the Nuggets have four legitimate guards they want to play on their rotation, so he won't be getting the same amount of minutes that he would normally get. Again, that just kind of sucks. But what he would add is legit shooting. He was like a 44% three-point shooter this season. He has a championship mindset from all the years under Greg Popovich and the Spurs, um, and he and he has the experience Denver's looking for. The other thing that I think is very interesting is that Danny Green talked about during the season that he loves the freedom that he's able to play with in Toronto. He did not get that in San Antonio. He would have that when he was on the floor in Denver. So, the play style kind of fits what he wants, what the Nuggets' needs are fits what he wants to a degree. Um, and we'll just have to kind of wait and see. He's 32 years old overall, um, averaged 10 points a game last year. He started in 118 playoff games. Think about that. 118. Um, has always lit it up in the finals. Is a guy that knows plays around the league and is very well respected. So Danny Green, while not fitting an immediate need for this Nuggets team, is a very good player who, if the Nuggets can get, you kind of just have to say, screw it, let's get him. The last name, the name that probably no one really knows, but a name that I really, I've started to grow into that I really started to like is, Facu- is Fa- I believe it's Facundo Campazzo. He is an Argentinian point guard who plays for Real Madrid in the ACB League, which is generally regarded as the second best league in the world behind the NBA. This dude is a legit point guard. He can play in the pick and roll. He can score off dribble. He can score off the catch. He can get downhill and finish. He's got a great floater game. Knows how to find shooters on the perimeter after breaking down a defense. He knows how to put drop passes down to bigs that are rolling. He has just the whole point guard offensive skill set that you could ever hope for. He is lethal in the pick and roll. Um, The one thing that hurts is that he's 5'11 and not very strong. He's not the biggest guy in the world. But when you watch the film of him over when he played for uh, for Real Madrid, when you look at his numbers, he was a positive defensively. He was actually a good defender in the ACB League, which again is the second best league in the world. So... 
I do think that if the Nuggets really wanted a third point guard who could push Monte Morris, a guy that the Nuggets very internationally minded um, front office could go look at is Facundo Capazzo. So we'll see if he gets there. I do like his name a lot for the Nuggets, but we'll kind of just have to wait and see. Um, But he is a legit third point guard the Nuggets could go after. That was a lot. And I'm, I know it's a 45-minute podcast with a lot of names, a lot of numbers, and a lot going on. But I'm going to kind of quickly recap this as fast as I can. The Nuggets have their own decisions to make first. Paul Millsaps has... The Nuggets have one day to decide if they're going to decline or pick up Paul Millsaps... Um, team option for the last year of his contract they have until the end of the day on june 29th uh they have three rookie extensions they could do jamal murray malik beasley wancho hernan gomez i would bet murray gets extended i would bet the nuggets try to expend extend beasley i would bet hernan gomez does not get an extension this year and will enter restricted free agency next year uh, the Nuggets have until the end of the day on the 29th to tender a qualifying offer to Trey Lyles. If they don't, he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Uh, the Nuggets, in my opinion, have four needs. More power forward depth, more point guard depth, more center forward depth, center forward, more center depth, man, I'm losing my mind, and more wing depth. Um, the free agents that I like big names wise, Tobias Harris, Chris Middleton, the 10 different names that I like that are mid-level exception guys or cheaper or maybe a little bit more in that vicinity is Taj Gibson, Thaddeus Young, Kavon Looney, Trevor Ariza, Stanley Johnson, Rodney Hood, Damari Carroll, Seth Curry, Danny Green, and Facundo Campazzo. <sighs> That's everything. That's all I got for you. Um, it's been a fun time talking about this. We'll have to just wait and see. Free agency starts in 36 hours. It's going to be a hell of a lot of fun, but overall, I do not expect the Nuggets to do a whole lot. I expect them to find a little bit more front court depth, a little bit more guard depth, to maybe restructure Paul Millsap, and if not, just pick up his option, and then to extend Jamal Murray. That is my ex- expectation and we'll have to wait and see but it's going to be a very fun one thanks for listening listening to this version of the denver nuggets daily podcast and enjoy free agency we'll talk to you guys soon